0: Hello and welcome to the Weekly Sermon Podcast at Bayes Vineyard Church. This week, enjoy the podcast as truth is revealed in God's Word. Go get a notebook, grab a Bible, and expect to have an encounter with God today. Okay, good, good. So, wow. Good to see everybody this morning. Good to be seen and not viewed, right? So, this morning, I was looking at our our... Everybody get one of these? Humble King? So these, do we still have these at the info booth? Anybody? No? Okay. Yes, we still have these at the info booth. So what this is, if you don't know, if you weren't here last Sunday, is we are doing the Advent season. So we are talking, last week Pastor John talked about hope, which was our first candle of the Advent season. So Here at AZV, we celebrate Christmas, and we celebrate it in December, and there's a lot of debate over the exact date of Jesus' birth because there's questions regarding the Julian calendar and the Gregorian calendar and if Jesus wasn't really born in the spring or in the summer, but regardless of all this debate over whether I've heard Christmas celebrations are pagan, we shouldn't celebrate them. Santa Claus is evil. Um, We've had a debate in this church over whether or not we should have a Christmas tree. There's a lot of controversy surrounding Christmas. So I just wanted to, before we start on the message, I just want to let you know as a pastor of the house how I feel. Um, We have chosen to celebrate Advent and celebrate the birth of Christ during this time of the year. And I encourage each of us to not be judgmental or divisive when it comes to these issues, but we need to be united in love as a body of believers. Whether or not we 100% agree with our neighbor on how they choose to celebrate, it's all about Jesus. And my opinion is we should celebrate his birth every day, every month. And so I want to talk a little bit about About this topic. When we continue to be pliable to the leading of the Holy Spirit, He will direct us, He will guide us. It is not our job to be our brother and sister's Holy Spirit. Can we agree to that? Okay. So, December 25th does not express express the fact of Jesus' birth, but the spirit of rebirth that is the heart and history of Christmas. And it certainly embodies the truth of the birth of an incarnate son of the living God, our humble king. So are we all in agreement? Okay, good, good. So I want to talk about Advent. And what does Advent really mean? So I have a whole bunch of notes here. The really weird thing is I did this, where I'm going to do, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to peace because that's my... That's my topic for today. That was our topic in here. So hope was last week, peace is this week, and I'm going to get to that. But can I give you true confessions of a pastor who grew up um, bab to Pentecostal? (laughs) You know what that is? Kath to to Pentecostal. Actually, there's a little Catholicism in my life, too. My best friend growing up was Catholic, so I went to Mass, and I went to catechism and different things with her. And then I went to the Iwana program with my cousins in in the Baptist church. And my aunt and uncle and my grandma sometimes went to the Baptist church. And then I grew up in Assemblies of God church. So the charismatic Pentecostal um, as well. So I feel like I'm a well-rounded religious person. Okay? So, but... In all of that, I never celebrated Advent. I didn't celebrate Advent until I married my husband and his grandma loved Advent. So every Sunday we would get together and we would light the Advent calendar or the Advent candle and we would eat a lot of really yummy snacks. So to me, that was Advent. (laughs) I didn't really fully understand what Advent was. And even now, So I ordered this beautiful advent wreath for us to do because I don't think we've ever done this. Correct me if I'm wrong, somebody who's been here longer than me. Have we ever lit the advent candles during our services? I don't think we ever have. So I found this on Amazon, and I ordered it, and I'm like, oh, it's beautiful. I'll order candles. And then I'm like, oh, why are they purple and pink? That doesn't go with our decor. What is this about? So honestly, I had no clue. And I'm thinking if I had no clue... There's probably others in the room that are like, why are those candles purple and pink? So being a teacher, I'm like, let's learn together, okay? So here we go. I did some research. The Advent season is all about reflecting on how we can prepare our hearts and homes for Christ's birth in the world as it is today. It is a time for faith communities and families to remember through prayer, reflections, special music, and good deeds what the true meaning of Jesus' birth is, There are many different traditions associated with the four weeks of Advent, and the Advent season invites us to step away from what can be a frenzied time of parties, shopping, gift-giving, and to consider how we commemorate the birth of Jesus, one of the holiest times in our Christian faith. It is also a time to reflect on the triumphant return of Jesus at the second coming. And boys and girls, that's not going to be too long from now. We've been talking about it for centuries, but I really feel it. It's not going to be too long. So the Advent season starts on the fourth Sunday before Christmas and leads up to the nativity of Christ and the second coming of Christ. That means that Advent lasts for around a month in total. Since the Advent season is observed by Christians around the world, there are many different and creative ways to celebrate. So in my house, we have red candles and we light them, and we do, um, I think Becca, pastor's wife Becca, Becca, if you're watching at home, hi, she made these little Advent books years and years and years ago, and we have done this as a family every Sunday, it's, it's really cool, has the readings of Jesus' birth in it, very similar to this, there's lots of different ways that you can celebrate Advent, but I, I just love this, in fact, it's missing the ties, because I've loved this so well, it's just about worn out, but, um, so I don't think that Jesus really cares what color your candles are. I don't think he really cares all that much about um, tradition, but I think it's very important that we understand tradition and why we do what we do. Because sometimes we just do things because we've been told to do things, and we have no idea why we're doing it. So I always question, why do we do what we do? So let's go into this a little bit further. Um, so, advent wreaths can look different. This one is metal and, you know, it, I don't think I don't think that really matters all that much, but there is some symbolism. So, the wreath itself, which is usually made of various evergreens, signifies continuous life. The circle of the wreath, which has no beginning or end, symbolizes the eternity of God, the immortality of our soul, and the everlasting life that we find in Christ. Isn't that good? So, even the individual evergreens that make up the wreath have their own meanings that can be adapted to our faith. The laurel signifies victory over persecution and suffering. The pine, holly, and yew signify immortality, and the cedar signifies strength and healing. The pine cones that decorate the wreath symbolize life and resurrection. The wreath as a whole is meant to remind us of both the immortality of our souls and God's promise of everlasting life to us through Christ. Isn't that beautiful? The candles have their own special significance. And see, I I like to do things right, so I didn't, you know, those of you who may have been brought up with the beautiful purple and pink candles, I didn't want to do it wrong. So I was like, okay, which one am I supposed to light next? Because I don't know. So here we go. The first candle, which is purple, symbolizes hope. It is sometimes called the prophecy candle. In remembrance of the prophets, especially Isaiah, who foretold the birth of Christ. It represents the expectation felt in anticipation of the coming Messiah. So who's been around kids? Christmas is exciting, right? I heard one of the, I think it was one of Heath's and Steph's kids came in, today's Christmas! They're so excited, right? We should be excited about what Jesus did for us. The second candle is also purple, so I know which one to light today. The second candle is also purple. It represents faith and peace. It is called the Bethlehem candle as a reminder of Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem. The third candle is pink. Rod, that's you next week. (laughs) The third candle is pink and symbolizes joy. It's called the shepherd's candle, and it's pink because rose is a liturgical color for joy. The third Sunday of Advent is also called Godette Sunday, and it is meant to remind us of the joy that the world experienced at the birth of Jesus, as well as the joy that the faithful have reached, the midpoint of Advent. On the fourth week of Advent, we light the final purple candle to mark the final week of prayer and penance as we wait for the birth of our Savior. The final candle, the angel's candle, symbolizes peace. It reminds us of the message of the angels, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. And then sometimes a white candle is placed in the middle of the wreath, and this is, it's a beautiful modern adaptation. The white candle is lit on Christmas Eve, and that candle is called the Christ candle. And I know some people light a Christ candle like every day when they're spending their time praying. I've, I've seen people do that as part of their spiritual discipline. Um, the color is white for purity because Christ is our sinless and pure savor, Savior. Using the Advent wreaths, Wreath is an excellent way to prepare your mind and heart for Christmas. So we don't do traditions just to do traditions because that's what everybody else is doing. We do it so that it helps us remember who Jesus is. So with that, John had kids in the room that helped. I'm like, Holly, will your your little ones come help me? Thanks, guys. I think it's so cool when kids get to be involved. So can you guys light the two candles? Do you know how to do this? Push that. There you go. Need a little help? Okay, now. you Got it. Oh, here, we'll do it together. It's hard, huh? I don't want to hurt you. There you go. Kay. Got that one. <coughs> oh. Come around this side. There we go. Now do this one. Here, you want to help me? Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, as I was preparing for today, I looked back and I thought, I did a sermon on peace not too long ago. Let me pull that up. And guess what? It was exactly a year ago. So December 6th, 2020, I did a sermon on peace. And here we are a year later. Boy, oh boy, lots of things have changed in a year. I don't know about you guys, but a lot of things have changed in my life in a year. So I just want to review my notes from a year ago, because a lot of this was really good stuff. It came from his word, and his word never changes, so I feel like I cheated a little bit, because I already had my notes, but we're going to go over a few things from my sermon from last year, and then God has shown me a whole bunch of stuff this week, so we're going to share that as well. So what I want to start with is, peace is a person. It's not a feeling, it's not an emotion, it is a person. Jesus is our peace. In Psalm 46:10, it says to be still and know that I am God. We think of still as sitting quietly, hands folded on our laps, not making a lot of noise, you know, being still, which it is. But the Hebrew word for still is actually rafa, and it means to let go, to relax to show oneself slack so everybody just take a deep breath that is to be still so I'm listening for the Holy Spirit in case you're wondering what I'm doing Because he always does it better than we do. So, I want to talk about what the opposite of peace is. I looked it up. The opposite of peace are disagreements, hate, hatred, discord, agitation, disharmony, distress, fighting, worry, frustration, upset, war. How many of us have felt those things over the last year? I felt a little bit of it this morning when I came in. Things weren't right on the stage, and, and people had issues with other people, and, and I'm like, wait a minute. That is the opposite of what our Lord has for us. When I begin to feel the feelings that are opposite of peace, I know that my priorities are not lining up with his And it's time to spend time with my creator. That's the only place we find peace. So I want to share a vision with you that I had during prayer on Tuesday. If you don't go to prayer on Tuesday and you're available from 12 to 1, it's a very powerful time of us just... (laughs) Somebody's been there. Jennifer's been there It's a very powerful time of listening for what the holy spirit is saying and praying into the things that god is doing So on tuesday in prayer I was just quietly Listening for the lord right before we started worshiping and I got this picture And it was a very interesting picture. God talks to me who believes that god still talks to us All right, he didn't suddenly go mute he, he has spoken all of creation, and he still speaks to his creation. So I got this picture. He speaks to me in pictures. I got this picture of the earth, but it was just like the curve of the earth, like viewed from outer space. And I'm seeing the world and, you know, the, the water and the land masses and all the things that you see. And on the world were all these balloons, like party balloons, like helium balloons, and they're attached to the world and they're just floating there. And I felt like the Lord said to me, Time to cut those. And I immediately felt anxious. And I was like, But wait, if I cut the strings of the things, then the balloons will float up into the, and who knows where they'll go. I will have no control over it. Guess what? The Lord reminded me, I created the world, I created the atmosphere. I created gravity, and I even created helium. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. So he showed me that it was okay to cut those things and that he, being God, could handle it. And it's interesting because over the last couple of months, God has shown me several visions with party balloons. So as I was praying about this, the Lord shows us, I don't know about you, but the Lord shows me, okay, you're holding on to this too tightly. It's time to let go of that. You're holding on to this too tightly. It's time to let go of that. So the next day, so that was on Tuesday, the next day on Wednesday in my uh, quiet time with the Lord, I happened upon this, um, this thing. It's an excerpt from a book by Um, It's called Get Your Life Back, Everyday Practices for a World Gone Mad by John Eldridge. And I want to read it to you because this is how you get peace. We're talking about peace today. This is how you get peace. I like to know how to get there. This is how. It says, I've always been intrigued by Jesus' ability to just up and walk away from his world. Right there in the opening chapter of Mark, with excitement building and crowds swelling all around him, Jesus disappears. He just leaves. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let's go somewhere else. That's Mark one thirty-five through 35-38. Jesus models a freedom of heart I think every one of us would love to have. His ability to disengage himself from his world is so alluring. Mature adults have learned how to create a healthy distance between themselves and the thing they have become entangled with. Thus the word detachment. It means getting untangled, stepping out of the quagmire. It means peeling apart the Velcro by which this person, relationship, crisis, or global issue has attached itself to you. So how many of you just see that? You can hear it. You can feel it. That Velcro. The world wants to get you so attached To these things that you have no control over, that you get your eyes off, peace. And peace is a person. Detachment means getting some healthy distance. Social media overloads our empathy, so I use the word benevolent in referring to this necessary kind of detachment because we're not talking about cynicism or resignation. Benevolent means kindness. It means something done in love. Jesus invites us into a way of living where we are genuinely comfortable turning things over to him. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Doesn't that just make you want to take a deep breath? Jesus has got it. He's got it. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Isn't that beautiful? Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's out of Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28-30. Now, pay attention here. Jesus said there is a way to live freely and lightly. His dear friend Peter echoes the invitation later in the New Testament. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Worry is only one of a hundred things that burden our souls. Genuine concern is just as dangerous. Maybe more so because it's grounded in something noble. Your concern for your aging parents, a sick friend, a people group, a cause crying out for justice— but what about loving? What about caring? How is it right to just let things go? Quite simply because you're not God. You can't save the world. You can't even carry it. In Luke twelve twenty five through 26, it says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Jesus is quite serious about turning everything over to him, actually. You've got to release the world. You've got to release people, crises, trauma, intrigue, all of it. There has to be some time in your day where you just let it all go. Cut the strings on the balloon. All the tragedy of the world, the heartbreak, the latest shooting, the earthquake, the soul was never meant to endure all of this. The soul was never meant to inhabit a world like this. It's way too much. Who by a show of hands can, can, can feel that? This world is way too much. You can't carry the sorrows of the world. Only God can do that. Only he is infinite. Somewhere, sometime in your day, you have to release it. Why do you think there's so many heart attacks and so many th- problems in our bodies? Because we were never intended to carry all of that stress. We need to make this clear. The invitation of God is an unburdened life. Come you, are, come, you who are heavy laden, cast your cares upon him. Live carefree before God. It's practically a party invitation. One of the least understood disciplines of the spiritual life and therefore a wonderful place of discovery for each of us and a truly liberating opportunity to experience more of God in our everyday experience. Who wants more of God? Benevolent detachment is going to take some practice. You could start by saying, God, I give everything and everyone to you. And then you might even need to do specifics. God, I give everything and everyone to you, including my children. Including that meeting I'm I'm nervous about. Including whatever it is, whatever your cares are, you give them to the Lord. As you do this, pay attention. Pay close attention to your body. Your soul will tell you whether you've truly released it to God or not. And if you have not truly released it, if the first thing after prayer you go back to mulling over and trying to find an answer and trying to figure it out, you have not released it, go back to prayer. It's okay. You don't have to get it right the first time. It usually takes me five or six times before I finally release it to the Lord. And by the way, (laughs) benevolent detachment is a gift to the people in your life. Far too often we saddle people with our expectations, our hopes, and our needs too. Most of the time subconsciously, but we do it nevertheless. With our need to be seen, to be celebrated, to be understood, you actually do people an enormous favor when you practice benevolent detachment because they'd like to be disentangled from you too. Is that not perfect? That is perfect. So, Galatians 5:22, let's go there. I want to talk about this lovely fruit of peace. And Galatians 5:22, most of us know that is the fruit of the spirit. But I want you to look at this. <clears throat> Who produces fruit? Do we produce fruit? It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. So the Holy Spirit produces that fruit in us. And what's our part? We have a part, though. We have a part. Let's go to John 15, 5. John 15:5 Jesus says, "Yes, I am the vine; you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers." So there's other places that talk about um, peace being a gift. Jesus says, my peace I give you, not like the world gives. So peace is both a gift and a fruit that is produced in our life through abiding in him. So our permeating value signs are, are down for Christmas, I guess. Um, but that, that very first one, that love, what's, help me out, guys oh yes wholehearted love of God that is the same as abiding when we turn everything and everyone in our lives over to him we detach from things that are not ours because we're not God and we leave it in his very capable hands that produces peace So what I want to do now, just, I've got lots of notes up here. (laughs) What I want to do now is I want to leave us some time to pray for each other. And I know there's a Cardinals game. So, so even with all my notes, I'm going to end a little early because I know we like Cardinals or whatever your team is, but I want to end with this. If you want to experience peace in this season and all throughout your life, you have to learn to abide and release your cares to him and receive his gift of peace. He is waiting for you, always. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants what's best for you. I love that Jason started with Psalm 139 because that very last verse in there says, show me, search me, and know me. And if you read it, I think it's in the message translation, it says, and lead me away from paths that would be harmful to me and back to your ways. Even when he's searching us and there's things in us that are not, not according to his plan, not according to his priorities, he lovingly wants to lead us back into his goodness. He's always good. He's never upset with you. He's not mad at you. God's in a good mood all the time. And if you want to know this kind of peace and you don't know Jesus, now's the day. Today's the day. What a gift. What a gift during this Christmas season. So if I can have some people that are accustomed to praying for folks, if you can come up, that would be great. And if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, please come. If you want to know this peace, this Prince of Peace, please come. And... This is a little off topic, but I feel like this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. If you have young children at home, I know we have several mamas in the house that have lots of babies. If you have, if you have children at home and this season is kind of stressing you out, I want you to come and get prayer because the things that we do in our homes are the most important job we'll ever do this side of heaven. So if you have little kids at home and you're stressed out, or even big kids, or even grown kids, doesn't matter, come up and get some prayer for peace to reign during this holiday season, because it's not about the presence, it's not about, it's about his presence. So come and soak in his presence, Um, and if there's, do you have anything, Rod? Heath? Financial anxiety, okay, that's a good one. If, you, if you're feeling stressed out during this time because of finances, God's a good provider. And he provides in ways that might just be out of your paradigm and blow your mind. So if you need prayer for that, come on up. And Jim, can you come help us? And we're just going to end with prayer. If you, um, I encourage you to come get prayer. If you don't need prayer, are you, we all need prayer, just so you know. But if you don't feel like getting prayer right this minute, you're welcome to leave. I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over everyone, and we will end for today. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you that you are our peace, that no matter what our circumstances are, we can lovingly detach. We can benevolently um, leave those things in your hands, Father God, because you are good. We can cast our cares on you, and we thank you, Father God. And, Lord Jesus, for those of us who are struggling with anxiety and grief during this holiday season, I pray that you would come and just bring your joy, your joy and peace that passes all understanding, Father God. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to AZ Vineyard Church's podcast. We're located in Goodyear, Arizona. To learn more about our church, visit our website, azyvineyard.com. That's A-Z-V-I-N-E-Y-A-R-D.com.